0: Digital Marketing Radio, episode 268. Should your brand be advertising on podcasts?
1: Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain.
0: Hi, I'm David Bain, and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the place where today's modern marketing masters mingle, keeping you up to date with all the latest tools, tactics, and trends of all the essential and grossing matters in digital marketing today. I've dabbled in podcast advertising in the past, but there are many brands out there who are spending significant sums on introducing their product or service to the ever-increasing podcast audience. So what works best when it comes to advertising on podcasts? And is this something, something that your business should be considering? Joining me to discuss that is a lady who's sold over 50,000 podcast ads in the past year. She has an, an extensive background in radio advertising and she's a current influence, influential voice in the podcast advertising space. Welcome to DMR, the founder of True Native Media, Heather Osgood.
1: Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to dig into one of my favorite topics, podcast You're, advertising.
0: Well, that was lucky we chose the the, the favorite one. <laughs> you can find Heather over at truenativemedia.com. So, so Heather, how different is podcast advertising to radio advertising?
1: I would say that it's vastly different. It's very easy to put them in an audio space. And when we think about it, of course, we have terrestrial radio, we have streaming audio, and then we have podcast advertising. And they're all very different different. different because the approach and the audiences are different. Um, When we look at podcast advertising, what we really find is that people don't mind the ads as much as they do in other forms of marketing. And I think that that's what really makes them stand out and what makes them different.
0: Does that mean that they don't mind any? type of ad at all? Or is there cert- certain type of ad that that resonates with an audience compared with other types of ads?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in the podcast space, we certainly do have different types of ads that are going to run. So if you are a podcast listener, you have most likely heard what we would call a host red endorsement ad. And that host red endorsement ad is an ad that has been put together by the host of that show. They have sampled, tried that product, and then they have given their personal experience with that product. So in many ways, it does feel like native advertising. It feels very organic and authentic. And that's what stands um, apart from other forms of advertising when we think about podcast ads. Now, of course, there are programmatic pre-produced type of ads that also get inserted into podcasts. And I would say that, you know, over the years, we certainly have seen an increase in that and it's at its height now. And I'm sure that we will see more of that to come in the future. But when we talk at True Native Media, in particular, about the power of podcast advertising, we're really referring to that influencer based, host read, endorsement style ad.
0: Okay. I'm sure you've tested programmatic, um, automatic insertion, pre produced ads in terms of the effectiveness, the Brand lift, uh, uplift the conversion rates that you, you measure. I guess because of the ad being inserted versus the the host read ads. Is there a noticeable difference in terms of effectiveness between each type of ad? Yeah.
1: So there's actually a few different types of ads ad insertions within podcasting. So ads started as being embedded or baked in. So if you are doing a host red endorsement ad, um, traditionally, I would say, you know, in the last 10 years, they were all done in this embedded fashion. And what that means is that if you were listening to episode 100 of a podcast and there was an ad in there for, let's say, HelloFresh, that ad would live in episode 100. So anyone listening to episode 100 would hear hear the HelloFresh ad. If you listen to episode 99 or episode 101, you would not hear it. And the value of those embedded ads is that you paid for the number of downloads that would happen within a 30 to 45 day period. But then yet people are going to keep listening to that episode, right? So if I listened to episode 100 today and it was published six months ago or even two years ago, I would still likely hear that HelloFresh ad. Um, unless the the you know producer of the show had gone and edited out that portion, which does not happen very often, and so there was a lot of affected effectiveness with those embedded ads. Um, however, of course, technology has progressed, and now we see a lot of dynamically inserted ads. And how dynamic insertion works is essentially we're looking at a time period. So we might say within a thirty day period, how many impressions can we deliver, and that's over the full catalog of episodes. So you've got your episodes, as well as your back catalog. Now, those dynamically inserted ads can be inserted as host read ads, right? So you might be listening to a podcast and it it can be a great organic, authentic ad that has been digitally inserted into the podcast. It can also be those pre-produced ads, right? That sound maybe more like a radio ad. And um, those, I would say there hasn't been as much research done on the programmatic side of things because in. The past, it has represented a smaller portion of the overall kind of ad ecosphere um, within the podcast space. I will say that my prediction is that the entire industry is moving toward dynamic inserted um, ads. And that while embedded ad reads are extremely effective, dynamically inserted ads have their place and there are certainly some advantages with those dynamically inserted ads as well.
0: Okay, okay. Um, I'm probably more aware of uh, dynamically inserted ads on YouTube and certainly the producer on YouTube can select exactly the timestamp that they want the the ad to go in on. Is that the same with dynamically inserted ads for podcasting?
1: I think that that is such a great comparison because most everyone is familiar with that. And we've all been watching that YouTube video where the producer of the show didn't well indicate their ad breaks and they just go in anywhere. Mm. But then, of course, you can go in and say, hey, put this ad in, you know, put an ad in at this minute or that minute. And that's exactly what we're doing with podcasting. And I would say my experience has been that hosts are very conscientious in their that the ad should not be inserted just over the top of someone speaking so the shows that we work with we really strive for them to create as um, organic a feel as possible within that dynamic um, insertion space so that when you're a listener a listener you don't hear that difference you're not saying wow you know obviously on youtube it's very different because It's an ad and we can tell it's an ad. Um, And of course you can tell it's an ad with podcasting too, but because it can be host read, there isn't that kind of shock. And that goes back to the effectiveness of it because the person that you know, like, and trust is recommending a product or service, which really holds a lot of power and influence that a traditional ad would not have.
0: So how are dynamically inserted ads actually inserted? Um, Is it... um, in partnership with um, podcast hosting platforms or is it necessary, for example, to even actually give the RSS feeds uh, from the podcast hosting service to the the ad platform who will create another RSS feed that's submitted to, to um, podcast directories?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So it is all done at a hosting level. So each podcast has its own hosting provider, similar to what a website would have. And ad insertion points are placed in that episode on that hosting provider. And then the host has total control. So the host can do a number of different things with dynamic insertion. They could insert content if they wanted, right. That doesn't Mm. have to be an ad. Um, but then it is placed in, you know, you have that audio file that is the ad read that's placed on the hosting, um, providers, uh, you know, page, and then it's inserted according to, of course, the, um, uh, you know, de- de- the determination of how that ad should run. So the length, the placement, the priority, um, all of those factors come into play like like they would in other um, digitally inserted content and ads.
0: So does that mean that there are only certain hosts out there that have the technology to make this happen?
1: That is Yes, absolutely the case. And it's really interesting. Actually at True Native right now, we're working on putting together a podcast hosting provider guide because every hosting provider is very different and can provide very different capabilities and many, I would say, so I started Trinitiv in 2016. And at that time, dynamically inserted ads were very much kind of looked down on, um, because they weren't seen as being as effective as those embedded ad reads. Um, and it was interesting at the time because there were very, very few hosting providers that did dynamic insertion. And I would say now my estimation would be that at least 50% of them do, um, and more are moving toward it. Um, it is really something that's very desirable because within a four-week period, you can deliver a number of impressions, right? So let's presume that you have a weekly podcast and you get 10,000 downloads to that weekly podcast within a 30-day period. Well, even if I ran two ads in in a month, you know, in two separate episodes, it's going to take me a really long time before I can get to that six to 10 impression level, right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, with dynamic insertion, many people binge listen to podcasts. Number one. Number two, if you're a big fan of a show, you're going to definitely listen to all of their current episodes and potentially even some of the back catalog. So you have the opportunity to create a much higher frequency with that audience in a shorter period of time. So the impression basis really allows you, you know, a. a just a much greater reach with that impression um, basis as opposed to that embedded ad read. So one of the challenges with podcast ads can be that it is a very slow-moving medium, and I would say that that's the case whether you're doing embedded or dynamically inserted. But when we're looking at dynamic insertion, um, we can speed the process up a bit more than we can with embedded ad reads.
0: So is there any any particular position within a podcast episode that the ad Tends to be more effective in is that a certain percentage within um, through the through the podcast episode itself, Um, and also um, does it work better if there's only one ad on the podcast episode?
1: Yeah, so in terms of podcast ad placement, there's typically three spots that we look at, a pre-roll, a mid-roll, and a post-roll. Of course, they are exactly what you would presume them to be. And research tends to indicate that mid-roll ads are most effective. And the reason for that is, you know, if you think about your own listening behavior, when you're listening to a podcast, the minute that you push play, if the first thing you hear is an ad, you still have your phone in your hand, and it's really easy to fast forward through that ad right? So if you push play and the host of the show says our sponsor of today is HelloFresh. The first Mm -hmm. thing you're going to say is, well, I didn't push play to listen to an ad about HelloFresh. I push play to listen to the content. So it's easy to fast forward through pre-rolls. When we look at mid-roll placement, typically the person is going to be engaged doing something else, whether they're commuting, whether they're exercising, doing a chore, they're less likely to actually be holding the phone. And so it's a bigger chore for them to say, I'm going to fast forward through this ad. So we tend to see the mid-roll placements being the most desired. Uh, I don't usually recommend post-roll ads unless you are a very well-recognized company and perhaps you're just working on extending your brand messaging Most of us are not going to come to the end of a podcast and then say, oh, there's an ad. Let me Mm. continue listening so I can hear this ad. So my recommendation, especially if you're starting out, is to look for that mid-roll placement. I would say secondarily, um, pre-roll ads can be effective, especially if they're not the very first thing. So oftentimes you might have the entrance of the podcast or the intro section um, and then have an ad placement. And that still would typically fall within the pre-roll positioning. But once it's a little bit inside content, it tends to be more well listened to as opposed to the very first thing you hear.
0: Great tips. And in terms of length of ad, um, do you recommend... Like 20 seconds, 30 seconds? Is there a particular length of time for the ad that works best?
1: I would recommend a 60 second ad, okay. especially if you're focused on host red endorsement ads. It's really difficult for a host to create compelling. You know, add content within a, a shorter than 60 second time frame because ideally we want them to tell some sort of a quick story and relate that story back to the product and service that you're delivering. Um, create a really nice, you know, unique selling proposition for that product, a call to action. Um, and it's really hard to do that in a short period of time. So if you really are looking to capitalize on that host red endorsement organic feel, I would say 60 seconds would be a minimum that I would look at.
0: Okay, and you mentioned call to action there. Um, Is there any ideal call to action? Do you tend to recommend a special offer and a unique URL or is there a better way of tracking success?
1: Having a goal of what you're expecting to get out of the campaign is super important. So if you're looking to approach it as a direct response campaign, obviously it's going to be very different than if you're looking to do a branding campaign. I would say that we have seen an increase in brand advertisers in this space. Um, The most recent IAB study said that about 45% of advertisers are brand advertisers, which is really exciting. If you're looking for direct response, having a strong call to action is super important. And yes, to your point, typically we will see some sort of a discount code. Um, so, a promo code, a unique URL can be a really good way to track those specific results. And then we also have some attribution tracking um, companies that have come into the space. So if you're familiar with pixel tracking, um, really, that's essentially what it is. And it definitely is something that I would look to layer on. You still need to make sure you've got a strong call to action and you should still do a promo code and a URL. But if you can put the attribution tracking on top of that, it really does just help create a strong campaign that you can track those results and you can see like, yes, this was actually successful. And, you know, I'm getting what I was hoping from the campaign.
0: And how should an advertiser choose what podcast to appear on? Because I would imagine it's more than just um, subject matter of the episode. It's actually finding out who the audience is.
1: You hit the nail on the head with that. I think in podcasting, we have a tendency of being very matchy-matchy. So let's say you are a business software company. You're like, I just want to advertise on business podcasts. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that those are not good podcasts for you to advertise on. They absolutely can be a solid choice. And if it's your first step out, you might decide that you want to look at content but it's so important to look at audiences and especially when you're looking to scale a podcast um, you know, strategy. So let's say you, you start the gate, out the gate, and you are a business software product, you want to advertise on a business podcast and you do that and you're like, man, this was super successful. Well, one of the great and challenging parts of podcasting is there might only be a certain number of podcasts within that genre that you can actually advertise on. Um, you know, maybe some of the other shows shows are sold out, perhaps, um, you know, you can't, maybe can't get on a show because they don't sell ads. So really looking at the audience fit is something that I highly encourage everyone to consider because ultimately it is about, are you reaching the right people who are going to purchase your product. And as a marketer or as an advertiser, you know who that audience is. So making sure that you get that fit, I would say even within a genre that you presume is a good fit, is really critical to the success of the campaign.
0: And as an advertiser, should you have a certain budget in order to give this a go? And um, how do you actually measure the cost of it. Are we still looking at CPM for um number of episodes that you have your advert on?
1: Yes, we definitely are considering CPM. So CPMs are typically the baseline um, within podcast advertising. If you have a very kind of niche podcast, they will most likely not be looking at a CPM basis. So let's say you've got a favorite show and you approach them and you're like, hey, let's buy some ads on your show. They come back and they say, oh, well, we get 2000 downloads, and it's going to be $500 for an ad that is not going to be based on CPM pricing. That really is much more of a flat fee. And I would say that with those smaller niche shows, paying a flat fee is certainly very acceptable. If you know for sure that this particular audience is going to deliver that. So for instance, we have a university tax program that is advertising on a tax preparers podcast those are super good fits. It's not easy to find, you know, tax preparers who are looking for additional certification. And they certainly have the ability to charge a much higher CPM because that fit is so niche and it is so valuable. So if you're looking at those really specific categories, I would say, throw CPM out the window. If you are doing more broad-based advertising, perhaps you have, you know, a direct consumer product or a software product if you've got a really broad base of of audience um, or potential client customer types, then I definitely would look at a CPM model. And I would also try to find a show that has a sizable audience, because if you advertise on shows that are too small, you're really not going to see much of a movement in the needle. I would say, conversely, don't go for the big guys first, because I have seen people do that as well, where they're like, Hey, I bought you know, a a three month run on a big comedy show for $75,000 and it didn't do anything, you know, and now I'm out and it's like, well, yeah, you probably shouldn't have started there. So if you can find mid-level shows to start with, that's a really good place to start. I encourage people to spend no less than I would say 10,000, maybe 5,000, because you want to be able to advertise on enough podcasts that you can do some comparison. Mm -hmm. Not every podcast is going to be a slam dunk winner for you. You're going to have to, you know, test the medium just like you would test any other advertising medium. And there are going to be some shows that are really effective and other shows that aren't as effective. So your job then as a marketer is to, you know, investigate why did this show produce really good results? Why did that one not produce good results? Was it, um, you know, maybe ultimately the content was it that the ad read wasn't good. Um, was it potentially that the host maybe didn't actually like the product all that well. So you kind of have to do some investigative work to then identify, well, I know a show in this size doing these types of ads with this placement, with a host talking about these products is going to create really good results. And then you can go Want to duplicate that?
0: So, for more programmatic ads for larger campaigns, should advertisers have any concern about the the, the nature of the content that their um, their ad appears on?
1: Yes, brand safety is definitely um, something to be aware of, and I would say it is a very um, you know topical issue within the space right now because when we're looking at programmatic, meaning that you have no idea you know, where your ad is actually going to appear, that can be really important. So um, in terms of how you go about purchasing programmatic ads, there certainly are a few companies that are, are leaders within that programmatic space. And I would talk to each of them I wouldn't necessarily just go on a website and say, Hey, here's 50,000 bucks. We're just going to put it in this, you know, site and spend it and see what happens. I would definitely, if you've not done it before, um, meet with a company, understand how they are, are handling brand safety and do they have mechanisms in place to really make sure that you're not advertising on content that isn't going to be aligned with your brand. One of the nice things about podcast advertising certainly is that freedom of speech element and content can range significantly. And so, you know, your audience, but you also want to make sure that you're not advertising on a show that is very contrary to your beliefs or just potentially, you know, content that you might not want to align with.
0: Great advice. Well, let's segue to part two of our discussion. So it's now time for Heather's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today. So starting off with secret software. So Heather, share a lesser known Martech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment and why that tool is important for you.
1: So in terms of marketing, we certainly have marketed true native media and we have tried to get the word out that podcast advertising is a good vehicle. So we were doing all of our social media, I would say in a very fragmented way. There aren't a ton of people creating content around podcast advertising, as you can imagine. Um, And we found that when we implemented the use of HubSpot, that that really helped us centralize all of our planning and we've been able to use it to track all of the different landing pages that we've created, our social posts, um, the engagement levels we've had. So I, I really just have loved HubSpot and I would recommend that.
0: Great, okay, well let's move on from something you currently use to something that you're going to use. So that is next on the list. So what's one marketing activity or tool that you haven't tried yet, but you want to test soon? So
1: we haven't done a lot of paid advertising. I should say we have done no paid advertising at our company. And so one of the goals I have moving into 2022 is using Google ads. We know that it's a competitive space, but we also feel that if we really want to advance our company, we need to be more visible through an advertising Um, medium. And uh, we're going to try Google because it seems like the best place to go.
0: Good. Okay. So Google Ads, that's a massive platform, certainly as well. We were talking briefly about YouTube as well. Would you start with YouTube ads or just text ads?
1: You know, we are just going to start with text ads. Um, In terms of YouTube, our strategy is to create content around podcast advertising because If you go on YouTube currently, there is no content on how to buy ads. If you're a podcaster, there certainly is is content. But our strategy on YouTube is just to start with more content creation um, and then potentially move into advertising.
0: Okay, let's move on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Are you ready?
1: I am ready. That's awesome.
0: TikTok or Twitter? Uh, TikTok. Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. YouTube or podcast?
1: Ooh, that's a hard that one. I'm going to say man. both. That, that's the both.
0: <laughs> Traffic or leads? Leads. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Ads or influencers?
1: Influencers.
0: Google ads or Facebook ads?
1: Google Ads.
0: Email marketing or chat marketing? Email. Martech Stack or all in one platform.
1: Martech Stack.
0: One to one or scale? Scale. (laughs) Seems relatively easy. Yeah. Now, you said both for YouTube and podcasting. I, I thought it was a slam dunk that you were just going to go for podcasting there. Were you joking with that or do you actually mean both?
1: No, no, I actually really, really mean that. And the reason I mean that is because I really believe that podcasts and YouTube are coming to an intersection where they are going to be linked and Um, The reason I think this is because YouTube is working on you can now listen to YouTube without actually watching it. And many, many people, when you ask them if they've listened to a podcast, they will say something like, yeah, I watch my favorite podcaster on YouTube all the time. And I'm like, yeah, but they're different. So my prediction is, is that the two are going to be joining at some point in the future. And I think that we really have to pay attention to both, not not either or.
0: So does that mean that you think that exactly the same content works on YouTube and podcast, i.e. can I produce this show on video, publish it on YouTube and expect it to be just as popular on YouTube as it is an audio form? Or do you not think that um, audio needs a slightly different format? YouTube needs a slightly different format as well, so it's difficult to produce the same piece of content for different mediums?
1: I think that the content can be the same. I definitely think that a YouTube video and a YouTube watcher is very different than a podcast listener and a podcast. Um, But what I will say is that I believe that people are going to start using YouTube to listen to podcasts. So it's not that they will be one in the same. It will just be that the tool is one where people can go to consume videos, but then they can also go to consume podcasts.
0: Okay, let's move on to the $10,000 question. If I were to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success?
1: If I were to spend it, I would definitely spend it on Google Ads and I would measure that success based on the number of leads that I got for potential advertisers.
0: Okay, and what would your call to action be? What would your landing page look like and um, what would you be looking to achieve from that?
1: So we would definitely want to help educate people about podcast advertising, because as we've been talking throughout this entire episode, most marketers really aren't super educated when it comes to podcast ads and how they can make it effective for their companies. And so the landing page would be very educationally based and um, most likely talk about us providing educational services for them.
0: Great. Okay. Well, to finish off, let's um, shift the focus to someone else who deserves it. So that is a magical marketer. So who's an up-and-coming marketer that you'd like to give a shout-out to, what can we learn from them and where can we find them?
1: I would recommend Mark Schaefer. Mark Schaefer has um, written a book that I really like about the idea that advertising is really um, dying because people aren't that interested in ads, right? None of us is saying, hey, can you please bring me more ads? So we have to get more creative as marketers about how we are actually really going to be positioning ourselves and in terms of the way that we are approaching advertising, it really does need to be influencer-based. And so that's why I really love Mark. He has a great blog and I follow him on LinkedIn. So I would highly recommend that you check him out.
0: Check out Mark, love your stuff. Well, this was episode 268 of Digital Marketing Radio where Heather Osgood from True Native Media shared great tips about advertising on podcasts, including when you get started, maybe think of a budget of five to 10K uh, as a minimum. Think of mid-roll as the ideal opportunity to begin with, ideally just after the show intro, but you know, mid-roll is certainly better than at the end of the podcast. Think of the audience when you're advertising, not necessarily the content, and also you're not necessarily going for the most successful shows to begin with. Um, shows with a mid-level of success may have less advertisers and perhaps give you the best bang for your buck. Your secret software was HubSpot. Your next on the list was Google Ads, As Um, checking out text ads by Google and of course your magical marketer was Mark Schaefer there as well. Um, Heather, what's the best social platform for someone to follow you and to say hi?
1: Yes, I love LinkedIn. I'm there often. So if you would like to come over and connect with me there, I would love to.
0: Great. Okay, well, thanks for coming on. I've been your host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts and YouTube shows for B2B brands over at castingcred.com. Until we meet again, stay hungry, stay foolish and stay subscribed. Aloha digitalmarketingradio.com digitalmarketingradio.com Digitalmarketingradio. digitalmarketingradio digitalmarketingradio.com Digital